and this morning I'm going to be sharing on um, it as well with my soul, right? And as I was listening to the words, revisiting the context for these great words being written, um, I kind of ended up on a few passages that I want to lead us through. And I want to begin here. Many of us, this is not going to be too much of a surprise. And, and I don't feel like I'm coming to you this morning with anything profound. I just have the scriptures. I just have the words of Jesus. I just have truth as it is written for us. Uh, and I'm not the only one who has it, just so you know. All right? I believe you all have it this morning. If you don't have it, right, we, we, I'm sure we have Bibles here for you to take home with you. Right? And, and if you do have it, I pray that even if you don't have it, you find a way to get it. All right, so even if you don't have the Word of God with you, I, I, my greatest prayer is that you find a way to get it into your soul. Because this is why we have it written down. Because there's going to be times in your life, I promise you, there's going to be times in your life that you're not going to have this. But you want to make sure that you have it. You've heard me say many times in the past, if there's any books that you read, make sure that you read the Bible. If there's any history that, that you need to know, it's biblical history. So I just want to read some very simple uh, proverb this morning. I was saying Psalm, forgive me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and a little bit further. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I want to read a little bit more. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not in your own understanding. I have this, this, this terrible, this, this um, prior to Christ, it would have been known as guilt. I, I just felt guilty all my life. I, I just had a very, very, I have a terrible conscience. Right? So bad that even to this day, and again, if you've heard this, please forgive me, but so terrible to this day that when I'm driving down the street, right, if I go through a red light by accident, because I don't usually go through them on purpose, unless it's an emergency, but if I actually go through a red light, I feel so guilty. I actually pull over the nearest spot waiting for a police officer to come. I feel so guilty. I've made these jokes that, that you know, I'm actually on a first name basis with, with everyone at the police station because if I go through a, through a red light, I just immediately drive to the police station. You know, there's like no need to pull him over. You know, he'll be at the, he'll be at the station in 15 minutes with donuts for everyone, you know. Just have the ticket made out. Right? I just so, had so naturally over the course of my life, just felt so guilty. You know, waiting. Now, I just want to be honest. Not, not convicted. More guilty. Mm -hmm. You understand the difference? Yeah. 
you know, conviction would be like, uh, okay, you know, I really feel to the power and the spirit of Christ. That's wrong. I don't want to do that. No. I felt guilty. I just didn't want to get caught. Getting pulled over by a police officer was the most daunting and terrifying thing in my life growing up. So much so, one memorable time that I got pulled over, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I, I, I confessed, like I just confessed my whole life story. Those of you who recall, years ago, so I started coming to Lancaster years before like, like the highway existed. Uh, I don't know what else to call it. It was like a bypass, I don't know, but if you came down from north, down through Route 61, you'd have to take back roads, or if you ended up taking Route 30, you'd have to go through Route 30 business in Reading. Any of you recall this, right? And it would just take... Oh, 22. 222. Oh, yeah, 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 30 goes the other way. 222 business, right? And it would just take forever. And so I was a student here at Langston Bible College, living at home, and coming down, was just, it was just awful. Well, there's a little small town up there on Route 61 called Palo Alto, which is literally situated right on the four-lane highway of Route 61 that you can just go barreling through at highway speed, right? And notice the longer that you tolerate, notice I said guilt, not conviction, all right? The longer that you tolerate um, the misdeeds or, or, or the sin, the, the poor choice in their life, the longer you tolerate them, the more comfortable you come with, become with them. Yeah. All right? So when I go speeding through here, and, and those of you, to give you an idea, rolling down Route, uh, route 61 from up north, it, it's basically, it was basically 55, 65 miles per hour, right? Those of you who agree with the plus seven, Plus or minus speed limit, right? You can get away with about 73. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? So, but as soon as you hit Palo Alto, now you're, you have to go from 65 down to 25. And you're literally speaking, Palo Alto, it's not even a mile long. I think by the time you're driving through, you can walk it. You can skip it in like 15 minutes. It's like you can, you can skip a stone through this town. And you have to slow down. You know, from 65 to 25. This is just immoral as far as, as, far as I, I see it. Right? And so you just get so tired of living by the rules, you just go rolling through this town. So finally, over time, I get pulled over for going 75 to 35. Right? And I am just, I'm just terrified. I'm just terrified. Police officer comes up to my window, and this is years ago. I can't, I've never told anyone this story, not even my parents. I hope my mom's not listening. Right, so, so the police officer comes up, and, and I'm just trying to, you ever notice that when the police officer comes up to the window, like, you're like the most innocent person in the world, <laughs> you know? So I'm just like, you know, good afternoon, officer. You know, can I help you with something? You know, like he's going to order a cappuccino from the passenger side of my car, you know. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, I, I caught you speeding, you know. And I, I just broke at that point. Just broke at that point. So much so. So I just, I'm not kidding you guys. I started telling him. I started telling him that I've been speeding there for years. And I am so sorry. And I just, you know, and I just laid out every, every carnal evil, you know, going through this town. And the police officer just kind of like... 
what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, he's literally just like, this has never happened to me before. So he let me go with a warning. You know, I guess he was just so dumbfounded, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the moment of confession, you know, that he was just like, I don't know, he gave me a couple of hail, hail, you know, what is it? Hail Marys and, you know, go ahead, you know, on your way. And, but I share this because my life, I've always been, and, and this is through the work of, of Christ alone, I've always just been sensitive. I've always been sensitive to my own sin. I've always been sensitive to the evil in the world. I've always been. I've always had this chasm torn in my soul that I know that everything here isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right? And this has really been such a big portion of my life. I've, I, I've fought along the way. I've been tempted so many times to try to design life the way that I wanted, you know, the right house, the right jobs, the right income, the right this, the right, you know, wife, the right girlfriend, whatever, right? And, and time after time, it just, it just kept just tearing up my soul until I found myself just in this place of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and he will make your path straight. And I want you to know, I don't think, I think this is a path, I think this is a verse that you discover. It's not one that you create. I think this is a promise of God that you arrive to after you've tried everything else. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So I'm not going to go through my whole testimony, but I do want to fast forward to, to hear where we are now. See, see we're, in a, we're in a time where um, our future here as living faith is, is very much in question. Um, to be very, op- very open and honest, very, very, very expectedly or, or very likely we're going to end up at the end of the year being about four months behind in, 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 in rent, right? And, and so we're going to have to make some decisions if it's... As we're seeking the Lord, as you're all praying with me, we have to gonna have to see where God wants to lead. And as Dwayne shared this morning, we don't know where that is. We 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 believe that that we're to be here. This has been such a brilliant and powerful and amazing community. How do I know? Because I have two of my most amazing friends sitting right here who are getting baptized in two weeks, sharing week after week, year after year of the changes that God's been doing in their life. There's not a moment that you guys don't share a testimony that I just don't begin to just weep and cry, you know? And it's even so funny, like, you share your testimony this morning, how God keeps opening up doors, you know? And then I'm going to speak truth in your life because it's pretty, pretty cool, and I might be wrong. But when you began sharing your testimonies, it was always like, oh my, I'm so, I'm so blown away by God. I can't believe what God is doing. I cannot, this is, these are miracles after miracles. God keeps opening the doors. Now today, when you share, it was so cool because it was kind of like, well, yeah, God does this. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to speak in your life because yes, he does. does. There's a time in our spiritual lives that we stop moving past the, 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 the seeking of the miracles of God and we just live being the miracle of God. And it's such an amazing experience to realize that we are the mystery. We are the awe of God. That as his children, of course he has more for us. This is what it says. 
Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes. Lean on your own understanding. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to heal you. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. Guide us. <laughs> he's going to provide for us in astounding ways that we never, never believed. I never expected to be here with you. I never expected to be here with you. I hope that's not discouraging. I'm going to let it almost be for a moment. I mean, I think I've been here for 12... I've stopped counting after 10 years, right? So I'm obviously not disheartened. You know, had I not liked you, I would have left. But I think this is an amazing, powerful community of God. See, 12, 11, 13... 13 years ago, I think it would have been 2010... We were currently meeting um, over at Langster Mennonite High School in the cafeteria. We were about 80 people. Some of you were there, right? And, and, and we were just going through changes, and, and, and I wasn't there yet. Actually, what had happened was, if some of you remember this, uh, it was actually Pastor Wayne. Um, Park, Cheryl, and I, we, we were <coughs> launching a, 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 a concert venue here in the city and serving the city, and that's actually how we met you guys, but... I was invited by Pastor Wayne to come and speak at Living Faith. And I was a much, totally different person back then. Please don't remind me. You guys have been so full of grace. And it's actually, I'm still here because of you. I get that. Thank you so much. But Pastor Wayne invited me to come speak one morning at Living Faith. And it was so different than this, right? Very cutting edge in meeting in a, in a cafeteria as compared to a church. So, so Living Faith was always different, right? So, um, I shouldn't say this out loud. We can edit the tape, but I know... You know, over a period of time, Living Faith has been known denominationally as the red-headed stepchild, right? Just kind of being kind of on the outside, you know, of, of what is anticipated and expected. So Pastor Wayne invited me in. I came to speak and didn't think anything of it. And, and, um, and that was it. I, I think I came with you guys once and uh, just kind of served, you know, gave a talk. I had no idea what I talked about and that was that. And, and some time had passed. I don't even know if we were in a relationship or, or, or not yet. But I remember <clears throat> we were a part of a, a faith community called Mosaic at the time and meeting in a local bar down the street. And I remember having a gathering and going home. And in the middle of the night, I'm not kidding you. Some of you may remember. Some of you may forget. I don't think you guys heard the full story. I had a dream that I went to go talk to Pastor Wayne. And it was so real. It was like one of those dreams that was so real. Like I felt like God was in it. I better go. I better go like actually live out this, this dream. So I thought, those of you who know them, very high on, on social anxiety and being in public, right? I really, yeah, I really, really don't like a lot of relationships. Thought, okay, I really felt the dream was from God, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to this and obey. And I said to myself, I'm going to go on Monday morning because pastors don't go to the office on Monday. It's exactly what I said to myself. I drove over to the office, which was originally on Philadelphia Pike. And once you know, Pastor Wayne was in his office on a Monday morning before 11. And I walk in, and he's sitting there. And, and, and he's staring at me, and I'm staring at him, right? And he's just basically like, well, can I help you? You know, and I'm kind of like, where I come from, you just can't tell someone that, you, that you're there because you had a dream last night. So I'm kind of shifty-eyed, just kind of like, well, you tell me, you know. I had a dream last night that I was supposed to come see you. 
And he starts laughing. And he goes, I'll never forget this. He said, isn't, isn't God amazing? And I said, perhaps. I said, perhaps. Tell me what you know. And then perhaps I'll agree. And he said, I don't even know if this is true, you know, uh, maybe he's lying, but he said, yeah, um, the, the elders had been praying here that you would come and pastor here. Pastor Wayne told me that you were the one before you knew that you were the one. Before I even knew. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, and then he said, but, but I told them that there's, that I, Pastor Wayne said, but I told them there's no way that, you, that you'll come. You're into other things. There's no way that you'd come. All right, and this kind of began my whole introduction and journey. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I didn't create the dream. I didn't tell the story. I didn't create the story. All right? And, and, and it was just simply day by day showing up, being honest with you, being honest before the Lord. And letting the Lord lead us and do within us what he wants to do, right? Not, not, not me as a leader, but me demonstrating this is all of our call, right? We don't show up here at Living Faith, you know, pastor or follower or pastor or parishioner. We show up all as equal followers of Jesus Christ. Praying and seeking the Lord together that the Holy Spirit would guide and, and <clears throat> teach us and guide us this morning. <clears throat> So now fast forward. <clears throat> I want to give you another testimony. Because this, I'm only sharing this with you because it leads into my story with, with Greg and Aaron. So Greg and Aaron, um, yeah, God's just been changing their lives. God's just been changing their lives and we've been praying with them and journeying with them. And I got a chance. So, so they, they, I don't know when this happened. It's been a while, but they just kind of said, hey, we, we, we want to publicly show our identification with Christ, with his death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. We want to sh- declare with Christ that we are alive in him. Mm-hmm. Can we get baptized? Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is going to take place in two weeks. Come back. Yeah. You won't want to miss it. <clears throat> you won't want to miss it. Right? And, and, and so they just kind of shared this, and, and this is just something, this, right? This is something I'm all into. So I'm like, let me treat you guys to coffee. Let's go, you know, let's go meet and. And we're just sharing stories. And, and those of you who have been joining us for any period of time, God has just been, God has just been miraculously healing and moving through your lives. And one thing that I share with them, I just share with them that their, their life is just heroic. Their life is just heroic because they've just chosen to trust in the Lord with all their heart. To say, I'm done. I'm, I'm done trying to create my own plans. I'm going to just trust in the Lord with all my heart. And, and, and I said to them, it's so heroic and so courageous. And, and I'm just going to speak honestly. You know, when someone says that, that, that your spirit, that you in Christ, that you're heroic and that, and that you're courageous, let's just be honest. We're just kind of like, no, not really. It's really the other person, right? But I'm speaking this very boldly and very clearly because when we lay our lives down, this, this, is, this is courageous. This is bold. Because Jesus will show himself faithful. And I said to them, because of the life that you've chosen in Christ, the life of your daughters has changed forever. (laughs) Completely altered. 
Tell me that's not heroic. Completely heroic. I have met people, and I meet people day after day after day, whose parents never able, were never able to step into that heroic moment where Christ changed their life. And it carried down through generation and generation that they were never able to step into that heroic, life-changing moment. And I want you to know that any time, and it can happen at any moment in your life, Jesus is always calling. When we step into that heroic moment, that courageous moment, he changes our lives forever and he changes the lives of the people around us. Greg and Aaron, by Jesus changing your life, you're changing the lives of us around you. Not because we don't know Jesus, not because we haven't experienced in the same way, but because every time we hear a story about God's goodness, our faith is once again tethered to the rock that we chose, reminded of that courageous and heroic stance we made in the very beginning. This is why we need each other. To celebrate testimony after testimony because we get weary, our souls leak. So we sat, I sat in this conversation and they just showed up and, and Greg was very discouraged. He was very discouraged. While you were out of the room, she gave me permission to share. So I'll try not to embarrass you. Should have had you sign a waiver. And of course, Aaron was discouraged because he was discouraged and so I don't remember the details completely, but in, in my imagination and my understanding, <clears throat> they just received word. <clears throat> they just received word that they were re they were rejected to get approved for housing, and they were looking for apartments. They're just really really working hard. Those of you who know what's going on in their life, they're just <clears throat> God is just changing, and God is healing, and, and they're getting new jobs, and they're getting new educations, and um, you just graduated. Right? Yeah. You just graduated from, from welding school. Yeah. Right? These are just individuals, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart. <clears throat> These are two individuals, when you don't know what to do in your life, quite simply, pick up every blessing that God has around you and put it in your, put it in your pocket. Put it in your knapsack. Put it in your backpack. Look, search for, wait. Find and hold every promise Every blessing of God, because as they store up, the faithfulness of God will take root in you, that you'll start living out a faithful life. And this is just what they've been doing. <clears throat> These are the testimonies that you hear. And so they showed up, and they were a little bit discouraged, because they weren't approved. And they just shared with me their vision. You know, they, they want to get a home for the girls. They want to have a yard. They want to have a dog. You know, they want to have a puppy. Now listen. There's a lot of people in life who would hear that. And be like, that is, that is, that is like so small, right? That's like, I don't know, like, almost like, why, why so little? When you experience the salvation of Christ, every gift that he has for you is big. There's no small thing. Every blessing of Christ. See, what happens in our lives is, is some of us move, try to move much faster than God that we actually lose sight of his blessings. The food that you get to eat today, it's a blessing because without it, you can't sustain life. But we move right on through it. Right? I don't know about you, but somehow... The sun rose again this morning. 
I don't know how it did it. But it did it yesterday and the day before. Did it today. You couldn't do it. So I can't do it. <laughs> but you know what? When it comes to it rising again tomorrow, I can easily find it very, very boring. I should be in awe. I should be aghast. The way that thing comes up, the way that, that, that few weeks ago, you know, I didn't have to wear a coat, now I'm starting to wear a coat. Hopefully I'll be shoveling some snow in a little while. Every last little bit of it should bring awe into our lives. Because you can't do any of it. But yet, the same creator who created that chose you above all of his creation. See, you should actually be in awe of yourself. Now, not pride. Not so, oh, how great am I? But I want you to know that's where pride comes from. It's because you simply, you simply exchange the creator God for you being your own creator. But if you, I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I can't. I can't give you life. I can't make you breathe. I can't get you to get up and move. I can't, I can't do that. <clears throat> see, see, we're very ignorant to think that we can, that I have power over that. But it's actually God and God alone that does. And so Greg and Aaron were discouraged. And it was funny because I just started to smirk. You know, and I wasn't trying to mock them or laugh at them in any way. <clears throat> Because they were genuinely discouraged, you know, and I just kind of shared to them, I shared with them, I was like, <coughs> I never considered, you know, that the housing that you're seeking is actually just, it's, it's just under the imagination of what God wants to give you. And it was just this, it was just kind of like this, this profound little cool moment. Like, wow, maybe we are asking God for too little. See, in Christ, I want you to know we're guilty of asking God for too little. <clears throat> in his imagination, he created us. So in his, it's actually in the imagination that he, that he gives us that he wants to give back. Live out the imagination that he gives us. In the way that we serve, in the way that we care for, in the way that we love, the way that we live out his presence in the world. Some, some of us are living such a small spiritual life because our imagination just isn't as big as God's. We don't see people around us as God's awe, as God's creation, as God's beauty. So we, it's easy for us to cut them off wow. on our way to work or get impatient when they cut us off. It's easy to start wars because we just don't see the image of God. In the awe of his creation. I went home. And I don't remember what happened. But it was only a, a day or so or, or later. That they left and, and they skipped over. They just stopped looking for apartments. So they went to the bank. They applied for a home loan. And are currently sitting approved to buy a home. Amen. I think I sent this message to the elders. Because I was like... Isn't that awesome? I you were right. Uh, you see, you, you messaged me. Yeah, I said maybe the dream wasn't big enough. Right? And so sometimes we get so discouraged because the things, you know, the things aren't the plan that we have for us, the stepping stones. And sometimes God will just say, no, I don't want you to step there. I know that seems logical, but I want you to jump here. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Why do I arrive here? Why have I taken this long road to get to this hymn? It is well with my soul. I have a short video here to just kind of give the background of It Is Well With My Soul because they tell the story better than I and I think many of us are, are familiar with it. But So, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Let's watch this. It Is Well With My Soul was written after unimaginable tragedy. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer who had invested a lot of money in property. The Great Chicago Fire of 1871 caused enough damage to ruin him financially. Amidst the stark period of their lives, Horatio and his wife Anna thought it would be good to take their four daughters, the youngest just being two years old, on a holiday to Europe. Last minute business problems meant that Horatio had to delay his departure, but insisted that his wife and children start their holiday without him. The boat they sailed on the SS Ville de Havre, collided with another boat. All four children died. The youngest child was ripped from Anna's arms by the water. Horatio received a telegram from Anna, who had made it to Wales, which said, Saved alone. Horatio boarded the next boat to Europe. The captain invited him into his cabin and told him that they were now sailing over the spot where the boat had sank. Horatio looked out over the spot where his daughters had drowned, three miles above the wreckage, then returned to his cabin and wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That first verse is about as powerful and personal as they come. The imagery of the rolling sea billows takes a more profound meaning when you realize that they are the waves above his children's graves. It is natural for us to question after such tragedy, why it is well with Horatio's soul? But the answer comes in the second verse. That Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. All is well with his soul because it has been purchased and saved by Jesus' crucifixion. And his response to that, in the midst of heartbreak, was to worship. Horatio Spafford had almost everything snatched from him, but in the midst of it all, he could still praise the ever-loving and unchanging God. When I started looking at this hymn, thinking about these words, the question to me really became, I, I don't know, I don't know <clears throat> how he managed to write these words. Yes. Right, uh, whatever, whatever's, however, I do know this, 
The writing of the, the writing of the words was not the absence of loss and the absence of sadness and the absence of pain. It was courage and peace and patience in the presence of God in the midst of pain and loss. And it seems, if you know a little bit about his life, it seems that he had practice at it. In losing all of his finances and losing his business and losing other children. Yeah, um, um, they, they had another four-year-old boy who died of, of, of the fever. And so the question for me was really quite more, quite simply, how, what does the Bible teach us about this? How do we, how do we gain what this hymn offers? Right? To me, it's this invitation, but what does Jesus have to say? So I want to turn to a rather popular passage. Maybe it'll give us some insight. Matthew chapter 6. I want to go to the very, the very uh, words of Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 19. This won't be too surprising to many of you, but if Lisa has it, we'll follow along together. I'm reading from the ESV. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust, where moth and rust does not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, no one can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and a better translation here. I don't like the translation of money. Better translation is you can't serve, you can't serve both God in this world. You can't serve both God and yourself. You can't serve both. You cannot create your own the future that you want, and or. The one that God, you have to choose the future that you want or the one that God wants. Now, interestingly enough, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because I want you to know that God actually has the future that you want. You just might not know it. We, we recently, we moved a year ago and uh, I was pulling up to the house. It's a yellow house. I was pulling up and I was just like, well, you know, God, I had no idea that I wanted a yellow house. <laughs> you know, I didn't know this is the house that I wanted until... We bought it and moved in, you know? See, and I think this is a part of the mystery and a part of the awe that God provides for us along the way. Like, like, like a good father giving us surprises and, and gifts along the way. I didn't know that I wanted that. I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. Right? I just want to read on a little bit more because I think it all goes together. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious or worried or, 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 or fearful, or I'm going to add, or angry, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, here today, tomorrow gone, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be anxious saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? This seems to me, this is actually, this is actually the very way that we live. It's the very way that the world wants us to live. And, and, and Jesus' words here, I want you to know, to me are so profound that only now, as I approach age 50, do I look back and I'm, only now am I beginning to understand them. <laughs> Because you hear Jesus' words and say, listen, don't worry. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about, about your, whether or not you're going to have a job. Don't worry about how you're going to pay the bills. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. And it's kind of like, Jesus, what's wrong with you? I mean, have you been around enough? Worrying is all that we do. Right? I mean, as soon as we become old enough to worry, I mean, when we're kids, we play. We don't worry. If we have parents who, who do the worrying for us, we don't worry. But as soon as we learn to worry, we become professionals at it. Right? Half of, I'm, I'm convinced that half of modern capitalism is because we worry. I have enough food at home in my refrigerator to last at least two weeks. But we may worry about food, right? If you listen to some of the news stations that, that I listen to, well, okay, I have food for two weeks. Well, what if World War III happens? I better run out and get a freezer for my basement because I, I, I you know, well, what if, what if, what if the, the freezer breaks? Which, by the way, we just got a new refrigerator because our freezer broke. Which, by the way... Truth be told, I was at Aldi's the day before, found so much great frozen food to store up. To store up. I lost hundreds of dollars of frozen food because of worry. Because of my own desire to be able to have my weeks planned out. I want to know what I'm going to eat. I want to know. Let me tell you about a first world problem. It's not really because we want to know what to know that we're going to have food to eat. It's really because we want to eat what we're going to want to eat in that time, in that moment, right? I like to eat hamburgers. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But when I crave a hamburger, I want it in the freezer so I can have a hamburger. This is a first world problem, friends. 
that I actually have hamburgers at home in my freezer to be there waiting for me. When there's days and times in the world in our lives that we don't even know where the next meal might be coming from. See, we get deceived, drastically pulled off course because God's saying, listen, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, right? Well, yeah, but am I, am I going to be in fashion? Oh. You know, am I going to be hip? Am I going to, am I, right? Those of you, most of us in this room, as we get older, we just don't care anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> we just don't care, right? My son laughs at me. I have, I have, I have a whole shelf of white T-shirts. I literally have like, like 25 t -sh white T-shirts. That's all I wear. No, I'm not. It's because I'm lazy and I just don't care. <laughs> don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't, right? And then James goes on, the book of James, he goes on later, says, listen, listen, don't, your life is but a vapor. A vapor is this. Right? When you're, when you're out at a cafe or at home, you're making your next cup of tea. And you see that little vapor come off the cu cup of coffee? James says, this is your life. In, in, in the span of eternity, that's your life, here and gone. Jesus says, like, like the grass of the field, here today and gone tomorrow. See, you and I are caught up in a dilemma of, 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 and a misunderstanding of time. You ever notice that, that life's always too short? Life's too short for the 83-year-old as well as it is for the 40-year-old. But yet I've met people who, and have known people, have known stories of people who have crammed more life into a year than some people cram into their entire lives. Yes. See, we've been deceived to think that time is life. But Jesus says he is life. Mm -hmm. And Jesus puts life into our time. Mm -hmm. And this is what I believe Horatio knew. I believe this is what he had experienced in every loss that Jesus was there. See, the secret that Horatio has for us that I want to present to us, it's actually agreement. See, Horatio is writing these words that we sing and that move us and bring us to tears because they're being in agreement with Jesus. It's funny. And again, I'm just being, I'm just being myself. I, this is embarrassing. I... I I don't like to fly. I don't like airplanes. The flying part I'm fine with. It's the crashing part I'm uneasy with. Yeah. Oh. All right. Uh, the takeoff, this. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I just, I don't understand how they work. How this big heavy thing gets up there with all these people and you're, I just don't, so it scares me, right? And, and, and anytime, I'm just being very honest with you, I've never been more in agreement with God when that turbulence comes. You know, I'm just so scared. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I agree with you. If this plane's going to crash, I, I agree with you. Now, interestingly enough, that agreement comes when I'm completely out of control. But in the midst of that agreement comes amazing, amazing peace. Because I'm just not in control but I know who is. And so I can have peace in that. And here's Jesus' words. I love this. Listen, quite frankly, he's saying 
Store up for yourselves, don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now again, I really wish Jesus would stop talking in, in mysteries. Because <clears throat> there's not a single thing I have in my house that I can get into eternity. So, so those of you who know, my wife is currently in Singapore. And they're walking through a time of mourning as her father uh, just passed. And typically in their culture, not the temptations there, but, but they are not bound to this, praise the Lord. It's very, very common is they believe in, in, in sending things to their family members in the afterlife. If you want your family to have a car, you get a car and you light it on fire and send it into the afterlife. Now, I said that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but um, not a real car because that just costs too much. So maybe, you know, a matchbox or, or you know, a, a, a car that's easier to burn, right? So you'll do this with their favorite meals. You'll do this. Right um, to try to send them things in the afterlife. This is not this Jesus. This, this is all from the enemy. This is all from the evil one. This you can't do this, right? And, and, and so my mind goes to what is Jesus talking about? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because there's nothing that I can get from my home. There's nothing that I like that I own that I can get across the threshold. I can't. How about you? <laughs> I can't mail it. There's no zip code. There's no, there's no HPS, Heavenly Postal Service, you know, to ship things. So what is Jesus talking about? What is Jesus talking about that I believe will, helps us to bring us in agreement? These words, it is well with my soul. Turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Sorry, Philippians chapter 3. No, it is Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. I'm going to try to close this up here. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So, so, so what do we store up? Okay, that's, that's trying to store up peace in heaven. Oh, but it's already there. I mean, I mean, peace... In, in, in heaven, in eternity, is, is overstocked at every local market. It's, uh, peace is flowing out of people's cupboards in their eternal dwellings. Okay, how about love? No, that's kind of saturated the market also. Joy? No. It's all there. So, so what am I supposed to store up? Right? Philippians 4.4. 4. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is in hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Greg and Aaron, thank you once again, along with each of you, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I want to try to explain this. <clears throat> 
up things in heaven, storing up things in the kingdom, I'm going to try to explain like this. The gifts of God are rooted in His being, and they flow freely to those who are covered in the blood of Christ, which means right now you and I have access to eternity. We have access to his love, his joy, his peace, and in profound, <clears throat> eternal quantities. But it's only when we begin to access them and use them <clears throat> here do they begin to flow back and forth across this chasm. And the more that we store them up here, the more... <clears throat> We have them there. So I want to try to reverse engineer this. Because we are caught in time. God is not bound by time. He is already in the, the confounds, confines of eternity. I want you to know, in the confines of eternity, now this is going to be a little bit, I'm going to ask you to stretch your imagination here. If you're have given your life to Christ, if your name is covered and written in the book of life, covered by the blood of Christ, in his awareness, we, he already knows you in the space of eternity. We're just not familiar with it yet. We're not conscious of it yet. So our home is established. Did Jesus not say, behold, I go and I prepare a place for you? If it were not true, I would have told you. So when your name is written in the book of life, there is a home selected for you, right? For us, that we get to, guess what? We get to actually have the ability to build. And guess where the tools come from? They come from him. Now I want you to know, I do believe in eternity we all have we all have a home that he's created for us. But I also want you to know, I think we all have, like we here, I think we all have different size homes. I think we all have different capacities. I want my eternal home to be overflowing. I want the fridge to be overflowing with love. I want to, I want to open up that fridge. I just want love to pour out because I've become so familiar in practicing and Carrying his love here. Because I'm accessing an eternal, an, an eternal commodity and practice, practice, practicing it here. I want to know, I want my covers to be filled with his peace, with his presence. Now I will say this. In eternity, eternity is eternity. There is no sin, there is no coveting, there is no... When you're saved, you're saved. I want you to know that every home in eternity is brilliant and marvelous and, and reflects the glory of God. It's not like here where you may, might be like, oh, I just have a small apartment. I want to get a bigger house. Right? Oh, I have a, I have a bigger house, but now I want a bigger yard. Right? This, this isn't what it's like in eternity. And where the commodities overflow, and I actually believe in all of eternity, we get, we get to, to learn more and more and receive more and more. Do you, do, you, do you want to know how much love God is and how much love God has? Do you want to know how long it will take you to receive all the love that he has for you? 
All eternity. All of eternity. You want to know how much peace he has for you? You want to know how long, how long it's going to take you to receive all the peace that God has for you? You're cheating. You're cheating because the Bible told you so. The Bible told us so. See, even in, I believe, even in our fully whole, resurrect, whole resurrected form, we're going to be receiving all of who God is for all of eternity. Because he never has, his commodities never stop. His presence never stops. It never, it never stops flowing. It's not like at some point, like your credit card, you some, at one point you ticked out. But here's the thing in being, agree, being in agreement with the living God. As we begin to store up things, let's borrow Let's borrow from the commodities that he has for us in eternity and start practicing them here. And love and joy and peace and kindness. And I'll tell you another thing. Another thing why this is so important, how this builds our eternal home and how this builds into eternity. Because it matters on every life and every relationship that you share it with. These relationships that we have with each other in Jesus are never going to fade, friends. They're never going to die. They're never going to pass. We're going to get closer and closer and closer in unity in and through the blood of Christ for all of eternity. And Jesus wants everyone, he wants his house to be full. So we're not just here just to share these commodities with one another. We're here to share them with those who Jesus is still waiting to accept and come into agreement with him and move into his house. Amen. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your truths. I thank you for your miracles. I thank you for your mysteries. I thank you for, the, for your awe. Teach us, Holy Spirit, what it means to store up these, these eternal treasures in our souls, that they would flow out into the lives of others, that we would find ourselves not fretting about, about, about the things of this world, as we see in this hymn. We don't know. We don't know what our last day will be. We don't know. We don't know the, the, the trials and the, and the loss that will come our way. But we do know this. We do know that they will come. We do know that they will come. In the scriptures, it says that we're children of light. That we shouldn't be surprised by these things because you've given us the map to life. You've shown us to take up our cross. You've shown us what we have to move through in this life to be with you. You've demonstrated for us that you want to bring others along. That we're here for your purpose. We're here for your glory, for your holiness, so that none would, none would suffer, so that none would pass away. They'd all be brought into a healing and restored relationship with you for all of eternity. But for those who live in darkness, it always comes as, as a shock. There's never enough time. It's always a surprise. But Paul tells us not to live, not to live as if we're in the darkness, not to live as people in this world. We understand. We don't know the timetable, but we understand the elements of time. So let us live every day. 
storing up things that are going to last for all of eternity. Living in his peace, living in his patience, living in complete agreement. Father God, may we live in the agreement that you've established for us from the beginning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood that was sacrificed, given so freely through Jesus. Accomplished by overcoming the grave. And moving into eternity where he promised that he's created a place for us. Amen.